inspired. We love God. We ought to be able to talk about him. Getting you started on your day. With the latest in breaking news and information. From the Vatican to the White House and everything in between. It's serious. It's fun. It's your Catholic drive time. And welcome to Catholic Drive Time. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. Today is Wednesday, August 9th, 2023. It's the Feast of St. John Baptist Vianney. St. John Vianney lived in the 19th century and is celebrated today as the cure of Oz, a model for cure for clergy. And also, did you know that cure has nothing to do with the word cure in English? I did not know that. I learned that a few years ago and I was very confused. And despite the fact that he was incredibly poor and well known for having a very limited intelligence, he persevered through seminary barely passing his his exams and was ordained at the age of 30. So if you struggle with limited intelligence yourself or being poor or struggling in school, know that you have a holy man in your corner. And he was sent to the village of Ars in France, and he became a priest of remarkable impact and influence. Ultimately, he was canonized by Pope Pius XI in 1925. He, though he had lacked lacking in natural qualities, He became an extraordinary preacher. He would deliver catechetical instructions with great conviction and love that had brought about many converts. Now, despite the fact he had a very weak voice and crowds were unable to hear him, people strained to hear his words and only hearing only sentences converted the hearts of many. He was dedicated to the confessionary, spending hours hearing confessions, giving counsel, and even would deny absolution if he did not perceive a sincere repentance. He opposed dancing and required promises from penitents to avoid such events. His strong stance exemplified his commitment to virtue. And who the stories I could tell of him and talking about dances. Who I won't go there. And those were dances back then. Imagine today. St. John Vianney engaged in nightly battles with the devil. And he endured physical assaults, deafening noises, and insults from the devil himself all to save souls. Many miracles were attributed to him, though he says they were done by St. Philomena. His gift of discernment also enabled him to read souls during the confessional, and his life had an amazing impact on the clergy around him, the secular clergy. I think he's actually the only canonized saint who is a secular priest. So praise be to God for that. So St. John Baptist Vianney, let him be a model for us today of suffering, of confession, of perseverance, and also, most importantly, let us pray and ask John Vianney to give us good clergy, to convert the bad clergy, and to make all the clergy in the world like unto him. St. John Vianney, pray Pray for for us. us. Happy Wednesday to you. Good morning. Joining us right now is, in fact, Rudy Carlos. Good morning, Rudy. Good morning, Adrian. And you know, I I, I laugh sometimes when I think about St. Jean-Marie Vianney, because you know, you have this uh, you have this horror story of uh, people thinking, oh, well, you know, what if he refused absolution? What if I went to confession and they wouldn't give me absolution? And I, I kind of think about it as actually a good thing, right? I mean, that means that there's something else on your soul that uh, you need to confess, that there's something more you got to do. And that just gives you even more closure and clarity that you're going to be receiving the absolution of our Lord. So, you know, it's crazy. I was reading this biography, right? And he says here about the dancing thing specifically. He said his condemnation went so far as to deny absolution to those who would not promise to stop going to such dances. Many persons would go to other churches to receive absolution. Hearing this, 
He simply commented, if other priests want to send them to hell, it's up to them. Oh, wow. Man. Mm, foreshadowing? <laughs> foreshadowing? <laughs> oh, man. I've been to a couple of confessions where the priest was like, yeah, that's not a sin. Well, oh. I don't know about that one, Father. Ooh. But you know what? I think uh, to give some, some context here to the dancing thing, isn't that because they were going to dances on Sundays? Uh, no, no. He, Just generally. Yeah, he was very much was against dances. Hmm. And okay. he was... Um, there is a, that's worthy of a whole discussion, actually. Uh, right. Maybe we'll do a whole show on dancing uh, one day because, yeah, I mean, it was even the back then, the, the ballroom dancing, they would have mm. considered it um, gravely immoral oh, wow. the situation. Um, yeah, and people are like, um, no, you can't say that. That's You're basically a Baptist now. And it's like, guys, guys, let's take a deep breath and let's read what the saints have to say. Um, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. My friend, um, everybody knows Gabriel Castillo now. Gabriel Castillo actually has an amazing video on Don't Go to Dances. Hmm. And he tells a story. He's one of the stories he tells in it. Um, I'll just spoil it right here. Is He uh, says um, that he knew a seminarian who went to a dance for school. And he lost his vocation because he went to a school dance. Ooh, and um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like this is, uh, I mean, these are the things that, a temptation temptation you're putting yourself in a situation close proximity with someone of the opposite sex um things happen he danced so hard that the vocation just fell off well john viani even tells the story of a woman who came to see him who was disappointed because she went to a, a dance and no one and the, the men one of the men that she was caught the eye of uh, didn't want to dance with her and as it turns out it was a demon Ooh. and um because she was devoted to the blessed virgin the demon did not ask to dance with her, but dance with all the other women. Ugh. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, I don't know. It's pretty, it's pretty, it's a hard saying. It's certainly a hard <laughs> saying. Who can it? accept it? <laughs> anyway, so, I've, before I forget, I keep, I meant to say this all week. And uh, that's two weeks from now, I'll be in Dallas for a week. So, if you're in the Dallas area, hit me up. Uh, should I do a meet and greet? Should I hang out with some people? Should we Absolutely. go get dinner? Um, let me know. Let me know what we should do. So I'll be in Dallas for about a week and uh, in two weeks for about a week. So let me know what your thoughts are on getting together with you while I'm in Dallas, Fort Worth area. At 15 past the hour, Ohio pro-life proposal fails. We're going to talk about that. At 30 past the hour, Debbie Giorgiani will be joining us to talk about parental alienation. She telling, she's telling me, she called me yesterday and said that she found out there is a demonic connection with parental alienation. And she said that it was kind of confirmed by the fact that her power went out right when she was supposed to come on the show yesterday. Wow. And so that's why she wasn't able to join us yesterday. And the next hour is an AI magisterium a good idea. Yikes. Plus our fear and trembling game show. But let's begin in prayer. We're praying for your intentions. Whatever it is you have going on in your life, we're praying for that. We're praying for the salvation of souls, liberty, and exaltation of Holy Mother Church, for our friends, family, and benefactors, and all those we promise to pray for. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Amen. O Immaculata, Queen of Heaven and Earth, refuge of sinners, and our most loving Mother, God has willed to entrust the entire order of mercy to you. I, a repentant sinner, cast myself at your feet, humbly imploring you to take me with all that I am and have, holy to yourself as your possession and property. Please make of me, of all my powers of soul and body, of my whole life, death, and eternity, whatever most pleases you. If it pleases you, use all that I am and have without reserve, wholly to accomplish what was said of you. She will crush your head, and you alone have destroyed all heresies in the world. 
Let me be a fit instrument in your immaculate and merciful hands for introducing and increasing your glory to the maximum and all the many in the grace of conversion and the growth in holiness, since it is through your hands that all graces come to us for the most sacred heart of Jesus. Allow me to praise you, O sacred virgin. Give me strength against... Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen. And now your headline news with Rudy Carlos. Thank you, Adrian. Good morning. You are listening to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. Here are your Wednesday headlines. Justin News reports DeSantis opposes punishments for women who get abortions in defiance of bans. Saying, quote, in Florida, we've provided support and we've put our money where our mouth is. But at the end of the day, you know... I would not support any penalties on a woman, unquote. The governor declined to state his position on nationwide abortion bans, but then asked whether, when asked, when, when asked wh- whether he would veto such a law as a president, he replied he would be a, quote, pro-life president and we will support pro-life policies, unquote. Reuters reports U.S. tech groups ban back TikTok ban in challenge to Montana state ban. TikTok, which is owned by Chinese tech giant ByteDance, filed a suit in May seeking to block the first of its kind U.S. state ban, arguing it violates the First Amendment speech rights of the company and its users. Montana could impose fines of $10,000 for each violation by TikTok. The law does not impose penalties on individual TikTok users. TikTok estimates that 380,000 people in Montana use the video service, or more than a third of the state's 1.1 million people. The Washington Times reports judges halt Biden rule offering student debt relief for those alleging colleges misled them. At issue is a rule broadening existing policy ending the debt of students who borrowed money to attend colleges and universities that are determined to have misled them on matters such as whether their courses would actually prepare them for employment in the field or the likely salary they would earn upon obtaining a degree. Career Colleges and School of Texas and Association for Profit Higher Learning Institutions filed a lawsuit against the rule in February. Among its complaints was that the rules are so broad that they can even cover unintentional actions by the college. They also said that the rule unconstitutionally gives an executive branch agency, the Department of Education, the power of court in deciding whether to grant claims for debt relief. And those are your breaking news and headlines for now. Keep it dialed on Catholic Drive Time for more. Back to you, Adrian. The gospel of the day comes from Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13. And there is a great song about this exact verse. And that's from the the hillbilly Thomas. Keep those lamps trimmed. Oh, keep those lamps trimmed. Midnight's coming. Won't you keep those lamps trimmed? What is basically it's saying is the coming of our Lord. Our Lord's coming. So you need to be ready. There's going to be 10 virgins who are waiting, coming, waiting for the bridegroom. And when he comes, the five that were foolish and did not have their lamps trimmed, did not have oil in their lamps, what happens to them? And they are left behind. They are not invited into the wedding feast. And those five who were prepared, who were prudent, who were virtuous, the virgins, they were trimmed. Their lamps were trimmed. Their oil was placed, and they're ready to come into the wedding feast. What is the wedding feast? That is the kingdom of heaven. Now, ultimately, all of this verse, there is a lot that could be said. Cornelius Alapide's commentary on this was about, I believe it was um, 6,000 words long. And so it's worthy of reading it in entirety if you have a chance to go check it out. Uh, Cornelius Alapide's entire commentary. But here is the conclusion. Verse 10 through 13 It says here, 
Now whilst they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. But at last came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And he answering said, Amen, I say to you, I know you not. Watch ye therefore, because you know not the day, nor the hour. How many of us are the virgins who are called to be Christians, who are called to be Catholics, you and I who are baptized in the faith, you and I who are called by Almighty God to such a high vocation, this high vocation of holiness, of virtue, will we be ready when our Lord comes in the night? Will we have our lamps trimmed, our lamps filled with oil? Will we have the virtue we need to be saved? Will we have done the good works that our Lord has asked us for? Will we have kept the commandments? For if you love God, you will keep his commandments. Or we will we at the last moment recognize it's too late. Our Lord has come and we run to the store to try to say, okay, let me try to get the merit at the last second. Let me try to go to confession before my deathbed. And then we've reached our deathbed and it's too late. And we're at the judgment seat of Almighty God and we knock on the door and say, Lord, Lord, open to me. I was one of the virgins. I was there waiting for your coming. And what will, I, Lord, what will the Lord say to us? He will not simply say, who are you? He says, amen, I say to you, I know you not. We could die today. We could die tomorrow. We know not the day nor the hour. And we have to be prepared. If you're not prepared, if you're not vigilant, if you're not practicing the faith whole and entire at every moment of your life, then our Lord will come upon us like a thief in the night and our souls will be stolen away down to hell. Well, they'll be wailing and gnashing of teeth in the fire that burns for eternity and the worm dieth not. Let's not go there. Instead, let's enter into the wedding feast. And so let us keep the commandments. And we'll be right back talking about the Ohio uh, log that just got knocked down. Hey, Donnie, what are the four Gospels in the New Testament? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And who baptized Jesus? St. John the Baptist. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. What is a fanatic? Well, have you ever heard someone defending animal rights as if they have completely forgotten about human rights? G.K. Chesterton says that is a perfect example of a fanatic. Someone with a sense of a particular truth that is too strong for his sense of the universal truth. He will invoke even cruelty to prevent cruelty to animals. Later, he may even invoke cruelty to animals to prevent cruelty to pit ponies. It is not merely that he has kept one thing and lost a thousand things. He has lost the basis even of the one thing. For a man cannot long remain right without a reason. 
We must accept all the universal truths so that we don't go off balance with one particular truth. And where do we find the perfect balance of all universal truths? In the Catholic Church. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. It's so good to be on with you today. Praise be to God. You know, it's crazy. We were talking yesterday about the Ohio vote that got uh, issue one that was being proposed yesterday. And the results are in. The Ohio voters shot down issue one by a wide margin. So that's um, very concerning. So issue one was basically saying that they want to make sure that the Ohio Constitution cannot be changed by a simple majority. Which, it's kind of strange that you can change the Constitution by a simple majority. Which means 50% plus one, it would get you to change the Constitution. That seems pretty easy. And this, is, um, this is not what I want to talk about, but I, a side note, this is a problem with democracy, that you can vote in what's good and bad that you can have mob mentality, mob rule. And so if, if, if you can get 50 plus one people to agree with you, then you can change what's right to what's wrong. And that's, uh, that's no bueno. That's no bueno. For the people, by the people, but the people, well, hmm. let's not talk about the people. <laughs> <laughs> so the proposal backed by abortion supporters had received 57% of the vote with 96% of the precincts counted by 11 p.m. So 57% of the vote, which is actually a pretty, like they said, it's a really wide margin, which, yeah, that is a pretty wide margin. But they also have to realize that they spent about $6 million more on campaigning for this issue. Um, So that's also an interesting thing to note. Issue one would have changed the process to amend the U.S. Constitution. Just talk about that. Thanks to the issue one's defeat, pro-lifers will have an uphill battle against the proposal, which a USA Today poll shows is supported by 58% of Ohioans. So that means they got to change the minds of 9% of Ohioans, Ohioans in order to try to change their beliefs to the extent that they can not put abortion into their constitution. The abortion lobby, which strongly fought to defeat the measure, reportedly had a massive 3-to-1 fundraising edge. What's right is right, regardless of the outcome of any election, Catholic Vote co-founder Josh Mercer told a life site via email. We know it is our duty to keep our heads high and to march on against attacks on human dignity. You know, this could be a blessing in disguise. So instead of in putting this as a, uh, as a chance that Ohio will make abortion a constitutional right in Ohio... Why don't we fight back and say, let's have abortion be illegal constitutionally? Why don't somebody put that up for a vote and go on a campaign for that? And we should just, every Catholic in Ohio should be mobilizing all over Ohio. All the religious, there's a lot of religious communities in Ohio. I lived in Ohio for a period when I was uh, in the novitiate. I lived in, in Cincinnati. And I've been, I lived in uh, Columbus for a few days as well when I was visiting the St. Patrick's there. And th- these, there's a lot of Catholics there. There's a huge Catholic community. And there is massive religious orders there. Everybody should be mobilizing to try to get this overturned and to change the hearts and minds of as many Ohioans as you possibly can to get this law 
struck down. And not just struck down, but protect life in the Constitution. All it takes is 51%. You just got to convince 9% of the population. If every Catholic said, okay, I'm going to target two people to convert on this issue. You have 22 weeks. Get at it. You could change 9% of the population. And you could actually do something like this. I think this is very, very important to... uh, to not give up and not let this be a, a hammer blow that makes you just give up and bury your head in the sand. Instead, this would be something that encourages us to fight. So I think that's something that we should definitely keep our minds on. And I, it's just, it's, it is down. It is a little downtrodden to see this um, result. Now, I think um, it was good to see the rally that happened there in Cincinnati or just outside of Cincinnati, uh, Bishop Strickland came out with um, Michael Flynn, Jim Caviezel, Abby Johnson, and uh, other pro-lifers to try to promote this movement. I, I wonder, where were the other Ohioan bishops? Why were they not out there? Why was not every Ohioan bishop having a rally in their city, in their diocese? Uh, why not? What would you lose by that? And most bishops like to try to push the the pro-life thing so at least they can get the conservatives and the traditionalists off their backs and be like, well, at least our bishop is pro-life. And so they try to do a good pro-life thing every once in a while. This was it. This was a thing. I would have been uh, clapping my hands for the bishops all over Ohio if every Ohioan bishop just put out a statement. Or you don't even have to show up. Just say, hey, uh, call one of the priests and say, hey, Father, um, you get the short end of the stick. Um, you're doing a rally in my name, so have fun. And I would have been like, amazing. Look at that bishop. Praise be to God. Go, bishop. But instead, Bishop Strickland of Texas has to fly over to Ohio and have a rally. I go, what are we doing? Why is every bishop in America not doing this? A very concerning situation. Now, Catholic Vote has this story out. Anti-porn laws are working, causing Pornhub to flee several states. Yeah, there is no right to be looking at a, at a at porn. You don't have a right to porn. The people who... Um, it's so funny. Whenever I see people defending um, the free access to pornography, because most of the people, most people are not asking to ban pornography. What they're asking for is to put... Age restrictions, mm-hmm. enforceable age restrictions, meaning you have to submit your ID to be able to look at pornography. Um, kind of the same way they have to submit your ID in order to buy alcohol online. Mm-hmm. And people are freaking out about this. They're like, no way, we can't do this. This is a, a violation of the First Amendment. We have to have free access, yada, 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 all these things. And I'm like, you just expose yourself, bro. Like, what on earth is, is so First Amendment about this? Are you saying that the same thing, would you apply the same thing to other adult activity online? Like you can't gamble online without an ID. You can't buy alcohol online without an ID, but you can access pornography without an ID. And so you, now you're letting 10 year olds, 12 year olds, 16 year olds, all for the fact that you don't want to give your ID because you don't want Pornhub to have access to your private information. Yeah, because imagine, whoo, imagine the blackmail Pornhub could do with that kind of information. That would be crazy. So I'm glad they're doing this. And, and Pornhub, who is absolutely like, no way, we don't want this. We, we don't want that. They're threatening to pull out of states. And thanks be to God, these states are like, all right, 
Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I am so glad this is happening. But notice that they they can't they'd rather pull out of a state than not have children look at pornography and have children not be able to look at pornography rather. Yeah, this is a mask off moment for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Now a giant in the so-called sex industry, the pornography site is the 13th most visited website of any kind on the internet, receiving more traffic than TikTok, Netflix, and Reddit. Politico turned Pornhub the YouTube of pornography and reported that in 2019, the last year Pornhub released its data, the site was visited. Get this. How, how many times do you think it was visited? Like you have per to guess. day or just like throughout the, the year? Uh, for the each day. Each day, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go out on a limb here and say two billion times. Two billion times. No, it's a little bit much. That's, a little that's much. too much? Oh, it was okay. 115 million times each day and 42 oh, billion times in one year. 42 billion times in one year and 115 million times each day. Until recently, most attempts by lawmakers to prevent children from accessing porn sites have proven unfruitful. However, with the advantage of age verification laws, the smut industry is starting to retreat. Age restriction laws are creating havoc in the porn industry, and many have considered all but impossible to actually regulate it, according to Politico. Yeah, it's funny, though, because remember, whenever these things were being brought up, they're like, this is impossible to enforce. And then we start passing laws in certain states, and what happens? They shut down. They move out. They get up and they pack up. As of August 8, 2023, these laws are on the books in seven states. Arkansas, Louisiana, Montana, Mississippi, Utah, Virginia, and good old Texas. Praise be to God. Uh, way to go, Texas. So if, you're not, this is, if your state wasn't listed right now, well, it's time to contact your lawmakers. They'd say, hey, look, there's seven other states that are doing it. Why can't we do it? And don't give us the excuse that, oh, these laws don't work. Well, they're working. We're seeing it happen. So let's do it. Let's, let's pony up and, and get these laws uh, put in place because pornography is destruction of humanity, is destruction of the human person made in the image and likeness of God, is the destruction of the person viewing it and the person who made it, is the destruction of the women involved in it. In fact, whoo, this statistic always... Drives me nuts. I should have pulled this statistic up to get the number exactly, but there is a massive percentage of women who are being watched in pornography who are dead because they, the amount of people who die from drug overdose, suicide, and murder in the sex industry is ridiculously high. And so people are watching these decadent acts of dead people. And this, uh, it just it, think about that for a second. Think about how disgusting that is. What kind of disgusting pervert but it does that? So this is uh, very good, and um, I hope that what I'm saying is very shameful and people feel shame. And if you do, that's good. You should feel shamed uh, because the sometimes the only thing that will get you to uh, shake off the shackles is to be shamed. It's to say, yeah, this is a shameful thing, and I don't want to be a shameful person, and so I am going to get rid of it. If you're addicted to this, I mean, it's it's something that um, can be overcome. I don't I don't know what this thing, game strategy is. Uh, prayer, fasting, and penance is typically the answer for overcoming addiction. And penance is really a huge element of it in fasting. I mean, all the Desert Fathers say, conquer your stomach first and all the passions will follow. You can take the St. Francis of Assisi route and throw yourself into a thorn bush. I mean, honestly, 
That you sounds know? absurd to you, you know, what I'm saying. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of saying it tongue-in-cheek, but actually not really. The, the greatest solution to avoiding pornography is to flee from it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the other thing. That, and I, idle hands are the devil's playground. Yeah. And don't, don't ever, if you're stuck in a situation of temptation, uh, don't ever be not busy. All you got to do is busy. get up and walk away. Yeah. Get up and do something else. Uh, the, the times of the day where you normally would be doing X, um, go work out instead. Schedule working out during that time. Go schedule things to do all the moments. You're, the only time you're alone is um, when you're about to go to bed and have all your technology far away from you. Um, there's, there's cures for this. Confession, prayer, penance, and fasting. If you do those things... I guarantee you, you'll overcome it because that's the way to overcome all temptation. All temptations overcome this way. And if it's not working for you, well, you're not doing it enough. You're not scourging yourself hard enough. Wear a sackcloth and ashes. Beg our Lord to give you the grace to overcome. And if you need to, destroy your smartphone. Destroy your computer. Is your eternal soul worth it? Is your family worth it? The amount of people who uh, bring demons into their home because of the viewing of pornography especially parents, fathers especially, bring demons into their homes, encourage their sons uh, to do the same things that you're doing because those demons infect your whole family. So maybe we should do it. We should have a, a, a show and uh, invite someone on to talk about pornography. It's been a while since we've discussed that, but specifically how to overcome it. We'll be right back talking to Debbie Giorgiani about parental alienation right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Do you really believe in a secret catching away of the church called the rapture? The pages of your Bible are empty of that type of talk. So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, solid biblical doctrine is time-tested. This rapture idea got its wheels rolling by John Darby in about 1830. I mean, have you heard of a third coming? You know you haven't. Secondly, God's nature. There's no reasonable premise in Scripture, let alone in moral reasoning, for the results of a rapture scenario such as this. A Christian pilot is yanked, raptured, out of his jet, while scores of the remaining passengers who are not Christians violently crash to their death. Meanwhile, said pilot is basking in the presence of God. This is absurd, and believe me, this is preached day in and day out. Thirdly, bad fruit. The preacher at your church says, Tonight, don't you be left in that pew alone while that person next to you gets raptured straight up into heaven. That, my friend, is folly with no foundation. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. I love the shows with a Catholic apologist. I love the shows with the sort of day-to-day psychologist, Greg and Lisa Popchek. I love hearing not just of other people's problems who call in, but I love getting the Catholic take on how to deal with day-to-day reality. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Welcome back to Catholic Drive Time, keeping you informed and inspired. I'm Rudy Carlos, and here are more breaking news and headlines for you. Breitbart reports, American Library Association president stands by tweet admitting she's a Marxist lesbian and states look to cut ties. After being elected ALA president in April of 2022, Emily Drabinsky posted a now-deleted tweet saying, quote, I just cannot believe that a Marxist lesbian who believes that collective power is possible to build and can be wielded for a better world is the president-elect of the ALA library. Drabinsky's self-identif- 
Identification as a Marxist has led conservative lawmakers in several states to push for the withdrawal of the state's libraries from the ALA, including Arizona, Idaho, Illinois, Georgia, Louisiana, South Carolina, and Wyoming. Montana became the first state last month to cut ties with the ALA, with the uh, with the uh, excuse me with the Montana State Library Commission, stating that our oath of office and resulting duty of the Constitution forbids association with an organization led by Marxists. Montana's in the news a lot, actually. Yesterday, that's incredible. Maybe I should move there. The National Catholic Register reports abortion activists are launching a new pact to enshrine abortion rights in Arizona. The Political Action Committee of Arizona for Abortion Access on Tuesday filed the Arizona Abortion Access Act, a proposed constitutional amendment that will enshrine the fundamental right to an abortion in the Arizona Constitution for generations to come. The proposed amendment, a copy of which was obtained by CNA, would forbid any abortion regulations from being imposed prior to fetal viability, that's in quotes, or the ability of the unborn child to survive outside of its mother's womb. At current levels of technology and healthcare, viability is usually about 22 to 24 weeks. And in case you missed it, Ohio's Issue 1 proposal failed. This is from the AP. Ohio voters yesterday rejected a proposal that would have made it more difficult for voters to amend the state constitution, including one measure set for the November ballot that would guarantee abortion rights in the state. And those are all your headlines this morning. May God bless all of your holy efforts today. Thank you very much, Rudy, for keeping us up today. Joining us right now is Debbie Giorgiani. She is the co-host of The Spirit World, airing every Saturday at 10 a.m. Central. And we're going to be talking about parental alienation, which I thought was a very interesting topic to want to discuss because I really have not really heard anyone talk about this. In fact, I had to go look up parental alienation to see exactly what we were talking about here and so let's start there debbie uh, what is parental alienation well hello adrian and rudy thank you so much for having me on your show um yes parental alienation actually was um a term that was coined by um a american uh, psychiatrist richard gardner in 1985 and it was it's this idea of um, a psychological abuse whereby uh, one parent manipulates the child um, against the other parent and it's and it, back in 1985 all the way into the late 90s adrian it was used as a way to for child custody and you know post divorce uh, the post divorce battles that happen in court it was it was used to kind of um you know, secure a position for the other parent. Since then, it has become an absolute uh, silent epidemic. It's absolutely horrible. Um, Pre-pandemic, uh, there was about 10 million adults uh, affected by parental alienation. This is not even. This doesn't even include estrangement, where whereby um, adult children on their own just pull away from one parent or both parents that parental alienation can happen in intact families as well, believe it or not, but it mostly occurs after the, the family has, has, um, has broken down somehow with separation or divorce. Now we're over 22 million and nobody's talking about it. And Adrian, you were spot on. The reason why 
that you had to go to the internet and look it up is because nobody's talking about it. Why? Because there's a huge stigma around it. Because what happens when you tell someone that you are no longer speaking to your adult child, automatically somebody thinks you must have been an abusive parent. But that's, that is not the case. So much so that we have a national day, April 25th every year for parental alienation awareness. Um, it is a brainwashing, emotional um, abuse on the children to pull, uh, for one parent to, to uh, uh, pull that child away from the other parent, the loving parent. And, and statistics and surveys are coming out right now, Adrian and Rudy, showing that um, the targeted parent, the one on the receiving end of this, is typically, get this, typically the more spiritual religious parent. So hmm. what does that tell us? There's got to be some kind of uh, demonic motive here. And it's and I was checking with Adam Bly recently, and there is. Um, what happens is the demons want to isolate. The demons want to separate. Then they can work on, work on people um, in a much more uh, um, extreme, intense way. And so, yeah, parental alienation, it's brutal. It's a silent epidemic. But the interesting thing, Adrian and Rudy, is that um, this Saturday, which I didn't even know this saint uh, very well, St. Jane Frances de Chantel, uh, the feast day this Saturday, which happens to be our show, uh, she is the patron saint of um, oh, wow. um, being estranged and separated from your children. Wow, Debbie, you know, that just immediately reminds me of Our Lady of Fatima and in the the uh, the revelations of Our Lady of Fatima, she talks. Our Lady talks about how in in the last days the family is going to be attacked in a very unique mm -hmm. way. And right. you know, in, in a very obvious way, we see the attacks on the family. You know, with uh, the, the destruction of the identity of the family. But this is another aspect that I had not been aware of, but that I've personally experienced myself. You know, as a young kid, you know, having a been a a uh, a result of a you know kind of like a broken marriage you know my dad would often use me as a bargaining chip against my mom you know when they separated and it's really a terrible thing but it's super surprising to me that mm -hmm. there's a a demonic tie to this because really that is another way of destroying the family mm -hmm. absolutely rudy and i'm so and, and i'm sorry you had to go through that but i me will too. tell you your experience is very common when 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 families um when they uh break up in some in some fashion that happens and the kids are used in the middle um it, whether it's a subtle way or it's just a real overt uh direct attempt to to uh, replace good memories that the children have with these very strange off the wall fake memories mm. and then the kids start spouting that as if it was as if it was truth it is such a um um it, 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 there's no other way to describe it it is an abuse um of really of an emotional uh standard to, and hurting those children terribly for a lifetime they are interviewing adult children of parental alienation and these kids are just really um deeply traumatized from some of the tactics that were used to pit one to pit the one parent against the other. it's horrible it's 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 and nobody's talking about it because everybody's like oh i don't want anybody to think that i was an abusive parent so i'll keep it quiet and i'll just endure it and it's painful um the targeted parents um typically are very depressed some have taken their own life 
Some mm. have fallen into addiction to try and cope with this. It is brutal. And it is, and I actually, I'm writing a, a book on it called the, the, the title of the book is perpetual grieving because that's exactly what it is. It's a constant grief of your uh, children that are still alive. Wow. So, wow. Mm-hmm. That is, I mean, that I just, I'm, I'm very blessed. I know I'm very blessed to have good parents because I've just never even considered that as a as a reality. But though I guess I have seen it among uh, people I know, friends I have that kind of see one of their parents or the other as the bad guy. And mm-hmm. I mean, of course, I mean it's always difficult to parse out because I mean sometimes that is the reality and sometimes it's not. But you know, I get in trouble for this. This is something I get, I get in trouble for, and I've been in trouble for in the past. So I'm going to say it again. We'll see what happens. Um, blessed Kanori Mora. And she was abused by her husband physically. And she was, uh, her husband tried to murder her on multiple occasions. And yet she stayed faithful to him. And the only reason why she ended up leaving the home was because he threw her out of the home. And so she had nowhere to go. So she found somewhere to go. But she never would once would speak ill of her husband to her kids. And she never allowed her daughters to speak ill of their father. And I think this is something... Like a, a child needs their parents and to have an image of their parents as well, that even if they or your parents are bad, we shouldn't. Like it's the fourth commandment to honor thy father and mother. And it doesn't say honor thy father and mother if they're good. Um, what do you think about that, Debbie? Well, it's interesting you're saying that, Adrian, because one of the problems um, with... Uh, groups and, and by the way, there are many chapters, many support groups around the world that are helping parents get through this and cope and and live a, a very joy-filled life. And you know, it, even though they're they're not communicating on a regular basis with their with their children, there's parental alienation awareness organization, um, and there's two of them. There's and there's, you can look them up online. They have great chapters, but what you're saying, Adrian, is is just again spot on. Um, the the problem with this epidemic is that bec- people feel so um, embarrassed to to share because it's such a big story. You have to go back to the divorce. You have to go back to the breakdown of the family when it started to happen, what, when the signs you saw, and then and then you have to give like your resume on how great of a, a parent you were. We're gonna have go to go to a quick break, and when okay. we come back, we're gonna be uh, we're gonna revisit this point. We're not gonna leave it there, and we're gonna go through how to solutions. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend: Haven't you honestly wondered why do all the different denominations break away from each other? Timeline: 1500s, Luther breaks from the Catholic Church. 16th century, John Knox is influenced by Calvin, breaks from Luther, thus the Presbyterians. 17th century, John Smith then breaks away and starts the Baptist. 18th century, Wesley breaks and starts the Methodist. Even crazier are all the scores of non-denominational individuals who break from each other, generally due to cosmic ego and, quote, a new revelation. Well, here's the three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. Judges 21 says, quote, in those days there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which is right in his own eyes. Secondly, physics. Once the dam breaks, water goes where it will. Luther broke canon law 331, which says about the Pope, by virtue of his office, he possesses supreme, full, immediate, and universal ordinary power in the church. And thirdly, my take. Gifted theologians can be just like my fourth grade friend who said, I'm taking my bat and ball and going home. 
Maidani, who was the first pope to whom Jesus said, You are the rock upon which I will build my church? St. Peter. And who is the current pope? Pope Francis. As parents, we're the primary educators of our Catholic faith to our children. And if you don't know your Catholic faith as well as you should, that's okay. Just tune in daily to the Guadalupe Radio Network by logging online to grnonline.com. The Guadalupe Radio Network. Listen, learn, love, and pass it on. Welcome back to the Catholic Drive Time Show. This is your host, Adrian Fonseca. We're talking about parental alienation. And, you know, during the break, uh, Rudy and I were chatting about this, and a movie came to mind. Now, this is going to be kind of funny, because this movie... I actually, I really, really like this movie, even though it's kind of, um, it's kind of a silly movie. The movie is um, Over the Top by Sylvester Stallone, and where he... It's literally a movie about arm wrestling, and you're like, that's kind of <laughs> dumb. But it's actually really profound about a father reuniting with his family and reuniting with his son and the story he had uh, his his son kind of hates his father because he has this vision of his father that he was a bad man he abandoned his family he hated his family and he never wanted to see him and now all of a sudden he's entering into his life and this narrative was actually fostered by his grandfather his his mother's uh, father and his father actually would write him letters constantly and wrote him sent him pictures and had uh, pictures that requested uh, from his mother and had it all over his truck. And his son was like, what? Like, you you cared about me this whole time? And it was very surprising. Uh, so Debbie Giorgiani is joining us to talk yeah. about this. And what are your thoughts about that as an uh, well, example? Yeah, uh, yeah, very good example. And, you know, let me just state this up front that I, I don't want any, um, you know, comments coming back and, and, try, and saying, well, I had to separate from my parent because they were... They were very abusive physically or or um, uh, emotionally or sexually abusive. I understand that those are those are cases you have to uh, get help and, and get and be safe and 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 get away from that that abusive situation. I understand that this is not what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about you know. Let me just read you this one excerpt from from just an online site. Okay, parental alienation is a pathological phenomenon in which a child is convinced by one parent that his or her other parent is unworthy and dangerous and should be rejected. It is a, um, a direct attempt to break um, the relationship with another parent. And the studies are finally coming out. When I was first speaking about this in 2008 and 2009, the studies weren't, the long-term studies and, and the, um, the, the psychologists hadn't gotten behind it yet um, as big as they are now because it is a huge epidemic. And um, it's growing. And, and the good news is for, for those that are targeted parents, um, you are the better parent. You are the mo most times you are the better parent. That's the, that's the beauty of this that has to be spoken. And people are afraid to, to go out there and speak about it because they don't want to look like they are that, that really bad parent that you were using that example earlier, Adrian. Um, and they don't want to, they don't want that being out there because now they're so, they're so brokenhearted with their child being pulled away. Now they have to face friends and family members and try to explain themselves. But Adrian, you, again, you were so spot on about this. This is the sick part of this. And this is how I know this is not of God. Okay. There are children right now visiting their parents who are incarcerated 
in, in, in prisons for murder and all sorts of things, and they're visiting their parents on a regular basis, yet really good moms and dads out there are waiting for that connection to be reunited with their parent, with their children, and their children refuse for no good reason to have any, re they refuse to have any relationship with their, with their loving parent. That's sick. That's not of God. There's something wrong with it. But I'd love to get to solutions because the fi finally the psychiatrists and psychologists are coming out with great solutions. Finally. Yes, for sure. That was going to be the, the next point. And I'll just let you uh, go off on that. The solutions to that problem, it seems like, I mean, the, once you're in that situation, if your kids won't even talk to you, it seems like, whew, what do you do? <laughs> it's, oh, oh, it feels hopeless, but uh, what's the solution? Yeah, and it does feel hopeless. And and keep in mind, this can happen in intact families as well. Parental alienation can be happening in a very subtle way, um, right right in your own home right now. So be be looking for the signs. Here's the first thing: do not be afraid to speak about it. Go out there and speak about it. Everything is online now. All of the of the uh, results and surveys and stats are coming out showing that this is it's not about you. This is an outside attempt to break the family again. And and I personally believe it is it is demonically sourced. And the demons absolutely love this because it's a great it's a great way to isolate um, all the family members. Um, that's the first thing. Do not be afraid. Don't don't try to get over the fact that you may think that there's some kind of uh, embarrassing uh, thing about it or stigma around it. Don't do that. Get go past that. Get a psychologist, psychiatrist, a therapist, a counselor who, is speci who specializes in parental alienation and get help to get reunited and don't stop. Do not stop trying to use the professional resources out there to reunite your family. Like I shared, Parental Alienation Awareness Organization, PAAOUSA.org, is a great resource um, to, to tap into for, for um, specialists or parental, uh, parental alienation awareness.com as well. Um, the problem is um, parents are um, they're, they're, they're shocked. They're stunned. They're paralyzed. And we have to pray for these beautiful souls who love their children so very, very much. Adrian and Rudy, I've met so many of, of these fine folks. I haven't met 22 million, but I've met about, um, a few thousand. And let me tell you, they are the most amazing moms and dads who love their children so very much. And most of them are extremely, um, uh, devout, uh, Catholics or Christ or, uh, non-denominational Christians or Protestants. It's a, it's unbelievable. They're beautiful souls. We have to help them and reunite families and pray pray fast uh, make sure you live your, live out your 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 christian life in a joy-filled manner don't let don't let satan satan's gonna try to steal your family and your kids but don't let him steal your joy now debbie i, I was thinking about that as you're saying um, prayer and fasting and i think that's one way that is kind of hasn't been mentioned yet that you can still be involved in your children's lives and I've heard this story from people who have kids who fell away from the faith, and I think it applies here for parental alienation, too, mm -hmm. is that, I mean, many times you have family who you can't get a hold of, you can't seem to get to, and you feel like you're not involved in their life, but you can be truly and really involved when you pray for them and whenever you do penance for them and you go to Mass for them and you do this, this uh, acts of reparation, this life of atonement for them. And I think that's one way by having a relationship with their guardian angel, praying to their guardian angel and having that relationship in that way. What are your thoughts on that? 
Oh, Adrian, you are knocking it out of the park. And we didn't even we didn't even um, script this or plan this. So this is Holy Spirit inspired. Thank you, Adrian. You just jogged my memory again. Yes, of course. How to how to, how can I even even forget since I we do the show the Spirit World? Yes, your guardian angels. Please, uh, Lady Endure of Knots Novena, uh, very powerful. The Surrender Novena, um, the the uh, Chaplet of Divine Mercy. Get be uh, devoted to to that wonderful those wonderful prayers on a regular basis ask your guardian angel to connect with your children's guardian angel it's very important stay connected spiritually with your children and you can do that with 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 heaven's assistance through the guardian angels um absolutely and please never ever ever lose hope never ever ever lose hope because if you do that if you fall into despair that's what the demons want don't give them any more power please Stay strong and do not be afraid to talk about it. Okay, there's so much research out there. Thank goodness this this the uh, professional stepped up and and produced everything for us and and proved that this is a brainwashing technique that is not of God. Now, what about you mentioned that there is a demonic element to this? Uh, so, what is the demonic influence of, in this situation? I was talking to Adam Bly about it, and that's why we're going to do the show this Saturday at 10 a.m. Central and 11 a.m. Eastern, the spirit world, um, on this, because Adam said, yeah, there's a direct connection. The demons want to isolate people. If they can break people from healthy spiritual support, so, so get, so let's just say like the, the mother uh, of a, of a, t- a targeted mother of parental alienation, she's the one who's going to church. She's the one who's keeping the family going and, and talking about God and everything. Well, if the demons can separate that child from that mother, then the demons can work on that child. And also the demons can work on that mother if that mother were to get depressed or fall into despair. And and you see, so when they when the demons can isolate, they can they can actually focus more on that person. It's very dangerous. Mm, yeah, for sure. That makes a lot of sense. I think, yeah, I mean that we we are the, the church militant. And it makes sense that we, we have to have community, because if we don't have community, I mean, nobody goes to heaven alone and nobody goes to hell alone. Uh, you're always dragging somebody with you. And so I think that's something that we have to keep in mind when we look at this whole situation in a, in a Catholic worldview, in a universal worldview. We see everything whole and entire. It's all connected. There is no such thing as private sins, because private sins affect yourself, your neighbor, and your family, and everybody around you. So I think that's important to keep in mind when we we think of these things. Now, whenever people are looking for resources, you mentioned some websites and that you're working Mm -hmm. on a book. Uh, But until Mm -hmm. then, um, where can people go and uh, to find out um, (laughs) a game plan? Yeah. Well, let me let me share something with you, Adrian and and Rudy. It's kind of um, sad about this. If 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 uh, parents go to the church and speak to a priest, most likely the priest will not have a lot of information on this. Don't even they don't even know how to handle it. They'll look perplexed, um, puzzled, and not and not sure how to respond. It's again that that that. Um, 
that feeling of, of what exactly does this mean. Um, it, it's out there, and people make their own judgments based on the situation, the result of the situation. A parent is not speaking to the child. The child doesn't want to speak to the parent. So it's it, you're not going to get that much support, unfortunately, um, with going to the church, um, unless there's a priest that is, understands this in a deep way. I would recommend going to those sites only because now they're, they're secular sites, but they have the resources there that can help. When you go to interview a specialist, absolutely go for a Christian Catholic specialist that understands parental alienation. I've talked to Dr. Ray Garendi about this many times. Um, um, so there are, there are people that, uh, and, and professionals that understand this. Um, many do not still. They're catching up as fast as they possibly can. So I would recommend people going to just one of the online parental alienation awareness sites and getting some resources and start there. But don't stop and don't be embarrassed. I know, if, especially if you've come out of a divorce, there's a stigma around that and people make their judgments and then you've got parental alienation added on top of it. Oh boy, that's a, that's a big storm to be in the middle of. Amen, amen. Well, thank you very much, Debbie, for being on with us. Go check out The Spirit World this Saturday if you want to hear more, and especially if you want to hear more about the spiritual and demonic components to this. Go check out The Spirit World, 10 a.m. Central, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and EWTN. Uh, but God bless you. God love you, Debbie. Thank you so much, Adrian. You as well and the, your whole show team. I think you guys do a fabulous job. Well, thank you very much. And the solution to all of our problems is Our Lady of Fatima's message to the three shepherd children in Fatima, Portugal in 1917, she gave us the tools to solve all the world's problems. What are they? Prayer, fasting, and penance. Our Lady prophesied through the words of St. Dominic and St. Angel at the, when the crossroads when they met in Rome that the rosary and the scapular will save the world. So if you're not wearing the brown scapular, go get enrolled in the brown scapular. If you're not praying the rosary every day, go get a rosary and pray the rosary every single day. If you're not doing prayer, penance, and fasting like Our Lady of Fatima asked, well, it's time to get on the bandwagon. Because it's by this that souls are saved and your own soul will be saved. God bless you. God love you. When we come back, we're going to talk about an AI magisterium. That's very interesting. When we come back, all this and more coming up on Catholic Drive Time. We all know children have a natural innocence and a sense of wonder. Yet our world is full of distractions that can pull families in the wrong direction. But with the help of God and a church family, your children can grow in the security of faith, hope, and love. Weekly Mass provides that critical faith foundation needed in life. So if your family hasn't been to Mass in a while, we'd like to invite you home. Discover more at catholicscomehome.org. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. Is the Bible sufficient to answer all questions about Christian living and church life? Well, the answer is definitively no. There isn't agreement on scores of doctrinal issues, such as the effects of baptism, who can receive communion, once saved, always saved, abortion, or how about eligibility for marriage after divorce? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, fruit analysis. Luther, Calvin, and Zwingli, who are the fathers of non-Catholic Christianity, did not rid the unbiblical practices 
they despised, but instead turned out to be the progenitors of some 50 denominations and scores of divergent beliefs. Secondly, natural reason. Well, if the Bible alone is supposed to clarify all beliefs, the very fact that such division prevails is actually proof that an arbiter of doctrine is desperately needed. And thirdly, the golden twins. Sacred scripture and sacred tradition will always prevail as the foundation of all Christian truth, doctrines, and beliefs. Remember, identical twins come from one egg. I actually was gone from the Catholic Church for 35 years. I want to get to heaven. I don't know if I will. I mean, I worry about it. But I not only want to get to heaven at the moment of my death, I want to find as much heaven as possible here on earth. So I need help. I don't know why I turned on my radio because I've kept my radio off for years. And once I turned it on, I was absolutely hooked. The Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Celebrating the culture of life. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. Hi, I'm Father David Huss, parochial vicar at St. Anthea Padua in the Woodlands. You're listening to AM 1430, KSHJ Houston, part of the Guadalupe Radio Network, radio for your soul. A very interesting topic that uh, hasn't been talked about very much at all. And uh, we had a great conversation about it. And there's going to be more conversation about it on the Spirit World, 10 a.m. Central, across the GRN and Catholic Spirit Radio. So make sure you check that out this Saturday, 10 a.m. Central. I think it's 11 a.m. Eastern. I'm doing math in my head. Adding adding one. Try try doing that in the morning. <laughs> There's a, a article out by the National Catholic Register written by Edward Penton. Magisterium AI, a game changer for the church? Okay. Right off the bat. We're using AI and magisterium in the same sentence. Immediately, I'm like, okay, this cannot be good. Uh, here's the problem. Right off the bat. When it comes to asking questions, like if it's a um, if it's a thing that just sources things for you, that's cool. That's really cool. So if you're like, hey, um, what does um, or you ask the question, what's the church teaching on suffering? Instead of giving you an answer, if it just cited a bunch of things and gave it to you, to give you all the citations and then quotes, and then you can read all the quotes and then use your brain to develop your own thoughts on it. Well, then that's, that would be cool. That'd be very easy because I, I would love to be able to find sources for things much easier. But if it's going to just spit out an answer, I'm going to be like, well, according to who? According to what teaching of the church? What's your document citation? Is it going to be some random saint that said something one time? Or is it going to be the perennial teaching of the church that's been taught over and over and over and over again? Because um, we do have development of doctrine. And then there's also a lot of documents in the church that are a little strange. It's not worded the best possible way. That can be very much confused. So I'm reading this article, right? And it goes on and talks about how they're going to be feeding it a ton of documents from the church. It doesn't list specifically what documents will be in, the, in it. But it does say that the newer things will be held in higher regard. And immediately that puts up a red flag for me 
I'm thinking, okay, why are you going to make the newer things better, uh, more important? Aren't the things that are perennial more important? Aren't the things that are taught consistently always and everywhere have more canonical weight than things that are new? Uh, That doesn't make sense to me that you would set that up in that way. For example, if you're going to say, okay, well, uh, a modern theologian wrote this in an official church document, and but St. Thomas Aquinas, St. Alphonse Liguori, St. Augustine say this, you're going to weigh the modern theologian over them? That's basically what they're saying in this, in this citation here, in this document. That's very concerning. And so if I'm typing in, what is the church teaching on X? Let's give a great example. If I say, what is the church teaching on there's no salvation outside the church? Well, if you only cite things in the last 50 years, you're going to be very confused. You're going to be very, very confused. But if it's going to cite things from the doctors of the church, from St. Thomas, from St. Augustine, from Cajetan, from Alphonsus Liguori, from the Cure of Ars, if you look at them, what they have to say about no salvation outside the church, it's very, very clear. Uh, By no salvation outside the church, they mean that there is no salvation outside the church. But if you look at modern theologians talk about it, they're like, well, you see, if by church we mean everybody because everything is the church. And, of course, I'm oversimplifying here, and people are going to be like, that's an oversimplification. Yes, I'm oversimplifying. But that's essentially what's going to—that's the threat that could happen. That's the threat of what could happen, and it'll be very confusing to people. It could lead people astray, especially since we already know we have this crisis of a bad formation in seminaries, and— they're saying that this is going to be a great aid to priests to enrich their homilies, facilitate catechism classes, and assist parents in catechizing their children. I would say stick with your Baltimore catechism. Stick. This is what a catechism was. We had these old catechisms, the Catechism of the Council of Trent, the Thomas Aquinas Catechism, the Catechism of Robert Bellarmine. All these old catechisms were there to be able to be a synthesis that will be simple, reliable, and trustworthy in order to teach the faith. And this is what I would recommend to people. This is what I always recommend to people is stick to the things that we know to be true, especially when we're living in a time of great confusion like we do today, where it seems like every other day there's something insane going on at the Vatican, some crazy document that it's confusing at the very least, And so now we're supposed to say, okay, we're going to trust this AI to do the thinking for us, to explain to us what's going on. They said the programmers are uploading 20 documents a day, and they still got a long way to go. I'm very curious what documents are uploaded so far, which ones will be left out, which ones will be put in first. Well, I mean, actually, they told us they're working on the the newer things first. Now, here's another thing they're saying. They're saying that they're going to be inserting the commentaries on the Code of Canon Law um, and the canons for the Eastern Church. said right now it's not useful, but it will become incredibly positive. said, though, it needs much improving, especially in the area of nuance. Yes, and this is a grave problem. Applying these things to particular circumstances can get very, very dicey. And people are going to end up going to this AI and asking, oh, did X, Y, or Z I do? Was that a mortal sin? And the AI is going to spit it out and say, well, no. This is going to be very concerning. 
because an AI doesn't have the insight into reality, into what it means to be a human person, understand concupiscence in a way that a John Vianney can, in a way a Padre Pio can. And so I wonder, I wonder how this will be. So I am incredibly skeptical, and I'm not anti-AI. For instance, I know Aaron Sang with uh, Tradivox, who's uh, re- uh, republishing all these old catechisms. Uh, he's talking about creating a form of AI. But he's saying the AI he wants to create is just going to bring to you all the citations where it's referenced in old catechisms. So you ask it, uh, what's the church's teaching on baptism? It's going to pull up, oh, Robert Bellarmine said this about baptism. St. Thomas Aquinas said this about baptism. Cajetan said this about baptism. And you can read those and say, okay, I understand. I get it. That's what he's planning on doing with his catechism AI. What this is um, going to end up being, especially when it starts to create uh, sermons for people, it's going to be a very confusing time, especially since the AIs have a tendency to hallucinate, meaning it creates fake information. For instance, if you ask it to give you a source for a thing, oftentimes it'll make up a source. So I I did this one time where I asked the AI to write me a biography of St. Dominic. I chose St. Dominic because I'm very familiar with his life. And while it was creating it, I asked it, okay, give me sources for this. And it created all these sources. And I was thinking, hmm, I've never heard of these sources. So I look it up. They don't exist. They invented fake sources. So how many sermons are going to be given where the priest is going to be like, oh, St. John Chrysostom said in, in his sermon, 54, and he said X, Y, or Z. You're like, oh, wow, that's amazing. I'm going to go look that up. You pull up sermon 64, and it's not there. You sure you had the right translation? That's what I was thinking whenever I was looking for it. And I was like, no, it's not there. It doesn't exist. These things, it was funny because I was asking it for recommendations on books, and it gave me a book title of a book that was written like 10 years ago. And it said it was written by uh, Archbishop Lefebvre. And I was like, he's been, he, he's dead. <laughs> he, did, <laughs> he didn't write that. I, know, I was like, I, I don't even have to look that up. I know he, he died before 10 years ago. Are you sure it's not like a Tupac situation where they <laughs> right. like, release his music? Right. But this is a very concerning. So I, I think people need to take this with a very very large grain of salt is that the right saying large grain of salt small grain of salt take it with a small grain of salt large i don't get that saying anyway people need to be very skeptical of this when it comes online when these things start happening when things start changing this way when there's new technology is there anything novice uh, meaning new we need to be hesitant in adopting it um, and they, maybe it'll, it'll get to a point where it's good. And, you know, it's funny cause I've actually thought about this. I was like, you know, it'd be really great. I've, I've talked about this with my friends. It would be really great if there was an AI that was just loaded with nothing but Catholic teachings. And then you can ask it questions. It'll give you the answers. Like that would be so great. Um, but then whenever we talk about it, we're like, okay, how would we execute this? We're like, okay, well we'd have to make sure that we want it to be only giving us good information. So we only load it with the doctors of the church, not even like the other theologians, like, cause we don't want to, we don't want to make it so much. So where it's, there's conflicting information going on from different theologians debating the topics. Instead, we only get the doctors of the church. That's it. And we compile all of their writings 
and we feed it to the AI, and then it'll only give us information from them. Now, obviously, that's incredibly limited, and any uh, people who are in scholarly fields of theology would be like, oh, well, we need to have more access to the theologians, and good, that's great, that's wonderful. But I'm talking about for use by your average Catholic, by you and I, by your average parish priest. They need not the great theologians who are contemplating the distinctions between a lot of these things, which I think are all good things to know. But when you're trying to give a sermon and trying to give advice to people, well, the easy thing to do and the right thing to do is to give the faith simply. And that's the, it's the moral thing to do because we don't want to bog people down with great nuances. Obviously, these things are important, but whenever we're trying to figure things out as lay people who only have a limited amount of time, why confuse people? Why say, okay, well, technically you can receive communion if you're divorced, uh, but only if you're – and it's a second Sunday of the month and the full moon is out and you have to do two backflips before receiving communion. Uh, then you can receive it. It's like, no, just the answer is no. You can't receive communion. That is simple, very simple. If you're divorced and remarried, you cannot receive Holy Communion because your second spouse is not, in fact, your spouse. This is the teaching of the church. It's always been the teaching of the church. And any kind of confusion that rises, well, we have to be hesitant to adopt it. What's old is what we know for sure. And we'll test the things that are happening now. We have to see what's happening now, what people are saying today, and then we can apply what we know and we can try to discern the reality of it. And this happens all the time when I ask AI Catholic questions. It tends to give me garbage answers. Um, it's very much does not not able to source things correctly and be able to try to find uh, which doctors of the church, which theologians, which saints are more authoritative than the other saints, than the other documents, and they fail in that manner all the time. And I'm just so worried about the people who are programming this, and it's going to lead people astray. And people are going to people are going to outsource their thinking to AI. They're going to get to the point where they're going to say we're going to have an argument, and someone's going to ask AI. AI is going to say something. They're going to be like, but dude, AI says X. And I'm going to say, well, no, but this is what the teaching of the church is like, but the AI says X. And it's, that's going to be the conversation. And it's going to be incredibly annoying. It's kind of like whenever you argue with someone, they're like, well, I've Googled it and Google said. It's going to be like that, but much, much, much worse. It's going to be so much worse. So that's something we definitely should be keeping eyes on, watching, and praying that these things turn out for the glory of God, not for confusion. Source? I made I it up. <laughs> Source? I hallucinated it. <laughs> now, I mean, that's a, that's the thing, right? That's the thing. Now, I do think that these things can be used for the glory of God. We just have to be very careful. Um, but remember, our Lord is the author of order, not chaos. He is the author of order, not chaos. So when you see chaos... When you see confusion, this is not of our Lord. This is not of God. Our Lord had wanted clarity. He wanted order. He wanted certainty in the faith. And those people who accuse, people who hold to certainty in the faith, who have this kind of supremacy in their view of the church, and they see that as bad, well, I say that's suspect. I say that is suspect. Now, we're going to go into fear and trembling. You could be our contestant. You could be a winner. How do you do so? 
Call now, 877-757-9424, 877-757-9424. Fear and Trembling Game Show coming up in just one moment. We always take the first caller, so call now, 877-757-9424. I'll give you that number just one more time, 877-757-9424. We will, we'll be right back with Fear and Trembling right after this. Hello, this is Steve Gleason with your one-minute tool for Catholic evangelism. Here's the question for your non-Catholic friend. In your view, was the Virgin Mary simply an obedient woman who willingly gave biological and maternal matter to Jesus and therefore has been given undue adoration? So here's your three best friendship tools for Catholic evangelism. Number one, the Bible. The Virgin Mary is in the first book of the Bible, the last book of the Bible, all through the Gospels and close to 15 other typologies throughout Scripture. Secondly, the Ark of the Covenant. It was the most revered object in the history of the children of Israel. That ark carried the presence of God. Well, goodness, the Virgin Mary did not just carry the presence of God, she carried God himself. Thirdly, something to think on. If God is a father, he is, and we are known as his children, we are, and the body of Christ are called brothers and sisters, they are. Wouldn't God provide a mother for his church? He did. So here's an idea. Ask a wartime veteran who soldiers cry out for in a moment of fear. That's right, their mother. Mother Mary, pray for us. Ever feel like life's just too much? Maybe it's time for a change. God offers us relief and hope. So if you're feeling like you need more peace today, begin at catholicscomehome.com. I used to wonder if God really cared about me. Then I started praying and going to church. I realized that God in my life was the difference between occasionally being happy and finding lasting joy. If you're looking for something more, check out catholicscomehome.com. Welcome to another round of fear and trembling. <laughs> the Catholic trivia game show that helps you work out your salvation by the seat of your pants. It's a 50-50 chance and prizes are involved. Avoid the weeping and gnashing of teeth. Call now to take your shot. 877-757-9424. 877-757-9424. That's number to call to be part of the game show Fear and Trembling where we give out prizes and you could win. How do you win? Oh, you got to pick up your phone and dial 877-757-9424. We always take the first caller. So if you want to pick up the phone and dial that number, 877-757-9424, we would love to have you. And that would be a great conversation to have, a game show, prizes involved. Uh, One more time, 877-757-9424. Now, uh, here's the trick to the game. Here I have three Catholic trivia questions. The trick is I'm not going to ask you the question. No, instead I'm going to ask Rudy the question, and he's going to give me an answer. And that means you don't even need to know the answers to win. You can know nothing about Catholic trivia and just guess, and you can have a 50-50 chance of getting each and every question correct. Now, every correct answer is placed in the coffee cup of divine providence to win this week's prize. Rudy, what could they win? Adrian, Father Lassance once said, Quote, pictures, and I mean really good, pure pictures, are consolers of loneliness. They're a relief to the troubled mind. They're windows to the imprisoned heart. They're books, histories, and sermons, which we can read without the trouble of turning over pages or straining our eyes. Now, that being said, the prize pack this week is sponsored by Nicole Lanthier Art, and you can win a beautiful Catholic print for your domestic church. And I, I wonder, dear listener, how is your home? Does your home reflect the good, the true, and the beautiful? 
Well, Nicole is a wife and a mother of five, and her home studio is here, located here in southwest Louisiana. And all of her Catholic art and designs in her shop are her own original works, which she hopes will uh, inspire and, and be a blessing to your Catholic home or a special gift to those who you love. So if you're looking for something for your home, if you're looking to uh, to really improve it, to make it a place of God, a place where you can meditate on the goodness of God, check out her works on Etsy. Her links are, let's see here, www.etsy.com forward slash shop forward slash Nicole Lanthier, or you can follow her on Instagram at Nicole Lanthier. And uh, I hope you can check out her works. And I thank you so much, Nicole, for sponsoring our game show this week. Well, thank you very much. That number, 877-757-9424, I'm looking over, and I have good news for you, because the next person to dial that number will, in fact, be... uh, well, they'll be definitely be a winner. 877-757-9424 because I don't think we've ever had anybody not win um, at least one of the of the questions correct. And so you will be a winner if you call in 877-757-9424. So make sure that you are on top of that and dial that number now. 877-757-9424. Four. All right, let's see. I'm looking over at the phones, and um, yeah, it's still waiting for your call. So I'll give that number just one more time, 877-757-9424 if you want to join us. And I think that, you know, having the goal, that very cool prize is I think so what too. a great opportunity. Yeah, for sure. You know, our home really should reflect the good, the true, and the beautiful. So if you don't have a, a, a beautiful art print on your wall, call right now. Call right now. Call right now to be able to win that prize. And I think, uh, you know, like, like Rudy said, it's always a great opportunity to be in a situation where you have beautiful artwork, Catholic artwork, in your home. So that's something that I think is always worth it, especially if you can get it right there um, on your home and have it hung up something to look at, something to pray with. I think that's a great, great opportunity. All right, let's see. We had the, the phone lines right up, and we had uh, almost filled up the entire phone lines. So if you didn't get in today, I ask that you make sure that we are on your uh, short list there, and you can call us in early, and um, we'd love to have you. So if you don't get in today, uh, please call in in the future. Uh, joining us right now is Reg. Good morning to you, Reg. Good morning. Uh, Reg, where are you calling in from? Uh, Dallas, Texas. I live in the K. Listen to KATH nine ten AM. Well, praise be to God. We love to have our Dallas callers. Uh, we I'm going to be in Dallas in a couple weeks, so uh, maybe I should do a uh, a meet a meet up with some CDT listeners while I'm in Dallas. I'll be there in in two weeks. I'll be there, um, and it'll be a good time. Wonderful. Well, praise be God. What uh, what parish do you go to? I attend St. Michael the Archangel in Garland. St. Michael the Archangel in Garland. So maybe I'll have to come by and check out St. Michael the Archangel in Garland. Do you all have um, perpetual adoration there by chance? Uh, Not perpetual, but we do have a daily adoration. Oh, perfect. Perfect. Well, then maybe I will check out St. Michael the Archangel (laughs) in Garland, Texas while I'm there. Um, Well, praise be to God. All right, Reg, are you familiar with the game? Are you ready to play? 
Uh, I reckon, let me see. Uh, as I understand it, you're going to ask a question. He's going to answer it, and I guess I've got to go true or false, huh? Yes, sir. That's you nice. got it. You nailed it. You're familiar. Yay! Perfect. Do I get a prize? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you might. So let's find out. Let's jump into question number one. Rudy, are you ready? I am ready. Question number one for you. According to the gospel, who climbed into the sycamore tree to get a better view of Jesus passing by? Adrian, there's nothing superfluous in the gospel. Everything there is an important detail. And imagine being so short and that being your your detail, your call to fame in the mm -hmm. gospel. Because that was actually Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus, mm -hmm. he was too short. And he really, really had this great faith in our Lord Jesus. He wanted to see him. So he climbed up into the tree and risked the embarrassment for ages to come just to get a glance at our Lord. Totally wow. worth it, I would say. Is that absolutely... Did he have little man syndrome? Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think a little man would actually do that. Yeah, he was uh, someone who had great faith, though. Yes. So maybe short in stature, but great in charity. Mm -hmm. All right. Reg, 15 seconds on the clock. Uh, what say you? The question on the board is, according to the gospel, who climbed into a sycamore tree to get a better view of Jesus passing by? Rudy seems to think it's Zacchaeus, who was uh, short in stature. Uh, what say you, Reg, from Dallas, Texas? That is so true. That is so true. He's not just regular wow. true. It is so true, Can he says. Can you just add a we're gonna, king to that? We're gonna, so true king? <laughs> we're going to find out whether or not that is correct. And <laughs> it is, in fact, correct, Reg. Amazing, amazing. Yay. You've read the Gospels before, haven't you? Um, once or twice. Oh, well, praise be to God. <laughs> praise be to God. So you know it. And are you ready for question number two? Yes, please. All right, let's do it. Question number two, Rudy. What part of the Mass is sometimes called the Seraphic Hymn? Ah. Yeah. Okay, the Seraphic Hymn. That's actually when you pray the St. Michael prayer. Oh. Yeah, it, during the Mass, mm -hmm. you pray the St. Michael prayer. Right. Because he was a seraph. Right. That may, I am following. I'm picking up what you're putting down. Mm -hmm. I uh, Okay, all right. I guess that's the case. Um, we're going to find out. Maybe Reg, 15 seconds on the clock. The question is, what part of the mass is sometimes called the seraphic hymn? 15 seconds on the clock. Rudy seems to think it's the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, which is said because St. Michael was a seraph. Um, what say you, Reg, that's St. Michael's in Garland? Well... I would say that uh, the Sanctus is actually the terrific hymn because that's when we join the angels in singing holy, holy, holy. Well, uh, we're going to see if you're right. We're, let's, let's check the board there. And you are correct. Oh, amazing. Wow. And I, we don't even need to give the answer. You gave the correct answer. Knocked it is it back. out of the park. Sanctus. Amen, amen, amen. Uh, or Sanctus, 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 one might say. So very good, Reg. That's amazing. Praise be to God. I didn't even need to ask you. I could have just asked you. Now... The St. Michael prayer is typically said after Mass, but it would never be during Mass. Also, yeah. he's not a seraph. He's an archangel. Yeah, well, you know, there's actually debate about that. Well, I won't get into that. I won't get into that. <laughs> there's a, a debate between the Franciscan and the Dominican schools on whether or not St. Michael was a seraph or an archangel. Standard. The uh, Thomists say he was an archangel. The Franciscans say he was a seraph. Well, I'll ask AI about so. it later. <laughs>
Well, maybe we'll talk about it during the after show. We'll talk about it during the after show, maybe. All right, Reggie, ready for question number three? Let's go. Let's do it. Rudy, who were Shim, Ham, and Jpeth? Okay, it's not actually who, but what. Oh. Those are precious stones, especially oh. the Jpeth stone. Hoo-wee. That is luxury right there. People like to flaunt diamonds and stuff like that. And that's common stuff. It's just carbon, you know? Carbon under pressure, diamonds. Very common stuff. The beers made it really big. But if you ever get yourself a JPEth stone for your you know, fiance, okay. woo-wee. Well, that seems kind of sus. One might say, uh, as a Zoomer say, sussy. Sussy. Um, 15 seconds on the clock, Reg. The question on the board is, who were Shem, Ham, and JPEth? Well, pfft. Uh, Mr. Sussy over here is saying that it is, in fact, not people, but stones. And if you get the JPET stone, poo, your girl will love you. Uh, so what say you, Reg, 15 seconds on the clock? Well, I know that there were 12 stones in the breastplate of the high priest, but however, these guys are the sons of Noah. The sons of Noah. All right, we're going to check that board there and see if you are correct. And... You are correct, Can't Reg. Him. Can't three trick him. for three. Untrickable. Amazing. He's like, guys, it's not that impressive. This was all <laughs> easy question Wednesday. What are you talking about? Am I right, Reg? Um, well, you have to think about it. You have to know it for it to be an easy answer. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, you're a man of great wisdom, I have noticed. Well, stay on the line. Uh, we're going to make sure we get your contact information so we can draw your name out on Friday, should it be God's will. All right. Well, thank you very much. It's fun playing. Awesome. Praise be to God. I'm going to put you on hold. And that's going to do it for the radio side. If you could join us in the after show, we'd love to have you. We'll just make sure you hop on, and we'd love to discuss with you directly. Hop on YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, Odyssey, Twitter. Uh, we're back on YouTube. We got kicked off of YouTube for a second there. We, we're back on. And if you'd like to join us there, you can. And we'd love to interact with you directly. It's going to be a good time. Whatever it is you want to talk about is what we're going to talk about. And, of course, we're going to have... Um, I'm going to be exposing myself. I'm going to have... I'm going somewhere. I'm taking a little trip. And I'm going to share with you when, where, how, why. In just a second. But if not, we'll see you back 6 a.m. Central, 7 Eastern, across the Guadalupe Radio Network and Catholic Spirit Radio. God love you. Thank you for joining us on Your Catholic Drive Time, where it is our pleasure to keep you informed and inspired. Join us Monday through Friday at the same time, right here on your favorite Catholic radio station. Don't forget to connect with us. Just go to facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Catholic Drive Time. Be sure to share more than just us today. Share Jesus with everyone you meet. Bye now, and God love you. The Guadalupe Radio Network now brings you the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass from the chapel at Our Lady of Corpus Christi in Corpus Christi, Texas. Corpus Christi, home of the soul community. For more information, visit soul.net or ourladyofcorpuschristi.org. Today is the feast day of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross. We offer this holy sacrifice of the Mass for all those listening to Guadalupe Radio Network and all of our online viewers.
I heard the voice of Jesus say, Come unto me and rest. Lay down, thou weary one, lay down thy head upon my breast. I came to Jesus as I was, weary and worn and sad. I found in him a resting place, and he has made me glad. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, and with your spirit. Let us acknowledge our sins, and so prepare ourselves to celebrate the sacred mysteries. I confess to Almighty God, and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and what I have failed to do, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask Blessed Mary, ever-Virgin, all the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. May Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Kyrie eleison. Kyrie eleison, Christ eleison, Christ eleison, Kyrie eleison, Kyrie eleison. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to people of good will. We praise you, we bless you, we adore you, we glorify you, we give you thanks for your great glory, Lord God, heavenly King, O God, Almighty Father, Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son. Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, you take away the sins of the world, have mercy on us. You take away the sins of the world, receive our prayer. You are seated at the right hand of the Father, have mercy on us. For you alone are the Holy One, you alone are the Lord, you alone are the Most High, Jesus Christ with the Holy Spirit, in the glory of God the Father. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. God of our fathers, who brought the martyr St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross to know your crucified Son and to imitate him even until death, grant through her intercession that the whole human race may acknowledge Christ as its Savior and through him come to behold you for eternity, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. A reading from the book of Numbers. The Lord said to Moses in the desert of Paran, Send men to reconnoiter the land of Canaan, which I am giving the children of Israel. 
You shall send one man from each ancestral tribe, all of them princes. After reconnoitering the land for forty days, they returned, met Moses and Aaron and the whole generation of the children of Israel in the desert of Paran at Kadesh, made a report to them all, and showed the fruit of the country to the whole congregation. They told Moses, We went into the land which you sent us. It does indeed flow with milk and honey, and here is its fruit. However, the people who are living in the land are fierce, and the towns are fortified and very strong. Besides, we saw descendants of the Anakim there. Amalekites live in the region of the Negeb. Hittites, Jebusites, and Amorites dwell in the highlands, and Canaanites along the sea coast and the banks of the Jordan. Caleb, however, to quiet the people toward Moses, said, We ought to go up and seize the land, for we can certainly do so. But the men who had gone up with him said, We cannot attack these people. They are too strong for us. So they spread discouraging reports among the children of Israel about the land they had scouted, saying, The land that we explored is a country that consumes its inhabitants, and all the people we saw there are huge, veritable giants. The Anakim were a race of giants. We felt like mere grasshoppers, and so we must have seemed to them. At this the whole community broke out with loud cries, and even in the night the people wailed. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, How long will this wicked assembly grumble against me? I have heard the grumblings of the children of Israel against me. Tell them, By my life, says the Lord, I will do to you just what I have heard you say. Here in the desert shall your dead bodies fall. Forty days you spent in scouting the land. Forty years shall you suffer for your crimes. One year for each day. Thus you will realize what it means to oppose me. I, the Lord, have sworn to do this to all this wicked assembly that conspired against me. Here in the desert shall die to the last man. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. We have sinned, we and our fathers. We have committed crimes, we have done wrong. Our fathers in Egypt considered not your wonders. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. But soon they forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel. They gave way to craving in the desert and tempted God in the wilderness. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. They forgot the God who had saved them, who had done great deeds in Egypt, wondrous deeds in the land of Ham, terrible things at the Red Sea. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Then he spoke of exterminating them, but Moses, his chosen one, withstood him in the breach to turn back his destructive wrath. Remember us, O Lord, as you favor your people. Alleluia, Alleluia. Alleluia, 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 Alleluia. A great prophet has arisen in our midst, and God has visited his people. Alleluia, Alleluia, Alleluia. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. At that time Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman of that district came and called 
called out, Have pity on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is tormented by a demon. But he did not say a word in answer to her. His disciples came and asked him, Send her away, for she keeps calling out after us. He said in reply, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But the woman came and did him homage, saying, Lord, help me. He said in reply, It is not right to take the food of children and throw it to dogs. She said, Please, Lord, for even the dogs eat the scraps that fall from the table of their masters. Then Jesus said to her in reply, O woman, great is your faith. Let it be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed from that hour. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. I remember the first time I had a major assignment change. I was going to another continent. I was leaving uh, Europe and I was going to Asia. And some people found out and they approached me secretly and they told me all the bad things about that country. Horrible things. They'll kill you. They will destroy you. Your life will just be blown apart. And it was actually quite funny. It was kind of a cartoonish or caricature of the, the people. And it was really, I remember thinking, this is really strange. And there were a few people who were very reassuring and they were encouraging. And they were like, oh, you're going to be a missionary. You're going to, it's going to be wonderful. But this has happened every single time I take another assignment. And recently, uh, I've, it's not finalized yet, but I'm pretty sure I'm going to Australia. I'm leaving for Australia after a six-month sabbatical. And guess what? All these people are coming out of the woodwork. Australia, the gun laws are crazy, and they just had a total lockdown, and they're going to lock you down. They're going to destroy you. They'll eat you alive. You know, the same old, you know, voices. And this is true. Anytime you want to do something good, the devil and instruments of the devil, unbeknownst to them, they're not being evil, they're just afraid. And they're trying to discourage you, even though God's will is clear on the matter. The same thing was true for the Israelites. God was testing not only the land, he was testing the people. Do you really want it? And when that happens, you have to have a will that's ready for something. And so it has to be tested, it has to be strengthened, it has to be broadened and widened and made purified so that you're able to receive the blessings when you finally get there. This is the grace of pilgrimage. When you're on a pilgrimage, you get tested and you get tried and purified and you lose your luggage and you get lost and you, you stub your toe and all sorts of things happen so that by the time you arrive at the place, you are more capable of receiving those graces and capable of glorifying God. Same with life and this woman, this Canaanite woman, Jesus was testing her. He reminds me of a coach, actually. Just testing her to elicit from her faith and humility. Do you want, do you really want your daughter to be healed? And that's basically what he was doing the whole time. He knew exactly what he was doing. He wasn't being, some people said he was being racist. Uh, no, he's, he created races. He's the creator of the world. He was waiting for her to, he was actually voicing all of the negative comments that were around her. The things that people were saying, or even probably things that were thinking. 
to see what her reaction would be. Do you really want your daughter to be healed? The same thing is true for you. Do you really want to be holy? Do you really want heaven? Do you really want God? Because there's going to become all sorts of discouraging reports, and there's lots of people discouraging reports. Oh, did you hear about what happened at World Youth Day? All oh, the, the church is in turmoil and the world is falling apart. Discouraging reports everywhere. Do you really want to be holy in these times? Do you really want God? And you'll, you're tested. You're in the midst of all the, the trials and the tests. And that's okay. And that's a good thing for you to be tested because you become more worthy and more capable of enjoying the beatitude for which you long. And you will have to be tested. So keep your eyes fixed on the one who is tested for our sake, Jesus. With loud cries and pleas to heaven, he cried out to God, cried out to the Father, and he heard him and raised him on the third day. But it was the third day. You'd have to, you do have to wait a little bit in the time of testing. For that end, go to Our Lady and go to the saints like St. Teresa Benedict of the Cross who was tested beyond measure. And she passed the test. She showed her colors. Let us ask our Blessed Mother to pray for the church as well at this time and all the discouragers that they may be converted and they may see that this is all a means of God growing us in holiness and virtue. Let us bring our petitions to the Lord. We pray for the whole church. We pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our Holy Father, O bishops and priests, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our government leaders, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For our youth, for an increase of vocations, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. For all our beloved dead, we pray to the Lord. Lord, hear our prayer. Eternal and blessed Father, we ask you to hear us, for we make these and all our petitions in the holy name of Jesus Christ and through the powerful intercession of our Mother Mary as we pray. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. before you, how we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Lay our lives before you, how we love you. Spirit, we adore you. Lay our lives before you. How we love you. Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. May the Lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and glory of his name, for good and good of all his holy church. May the offerings we bring and celebration of St. Teresa Benedicta of the Cross win your gracious acceptance, O Lord, we pray, just as the struggle of her suffering and passion was pleasing to you, through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. 
Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. It is truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks, Lord, Holy Father, Almighty and Eternal God. For in the saints who consecrated themselves to Christ for the sake of the kingdom of heaven, it is right to celebrate the wonders of your providence by which you call human nature back to its original holiness and bring it to experience on this earth the gifts you promise in the new world to come. And so with all the angels and saints, we praise you as without end we acclaim. Sanctus, Sanctus, Sanctus Dominus Deus Abhaoth, Plenis Uncelia Terra, Gloria Tuha, O Sanna in excelsis, Benedictus, qui venit in nomine Domini, O Sanna in excelsis. You are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. A mystery of faith, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that partaking the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. Remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world and bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis our Pope, Michael, our bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray, that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Blessed Joseph, her spouse, the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Rule him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. Amen. Preceptus salutaribus moniti et divin institutioni formati, audehemus dicere, 
Pater Noster, qui es in celis, sanctificetur nomen tuum, adveniat regnum tuum, fiat voluntas tua, sicut in celo ad in terra. Panem nostrum quotidianum, dan nobis hodie, et emiten nobis debita nostra, sicut et nos dimitimus, debitoribus nostris, et ne nos inducas in tentationem, sed liberanos amahalo. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in your days that by the help of your mercy we may be always free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Savior, Jesus Christ. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not on our sins, but on the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. The peace of the Lord be with you always, and with your spirit. On you stay, with holy speccatum mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, with holy speccatum mundi, miserere nobis. On you stay, Quitolis peccata mundi, donna nobis pahachem. Behold the Lamb of God. Behold him who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter under my roof, but only say the word and my soul shall be healed. communion antiphon, the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will lead them to the springs of the waters of life. Active spiritual communion. My Jesus, I believe that you are present in the most holy sacrament. I love you above all things, and I desire to receive you into my soul. Since I cannot at this moment receive you sacramentally, come at least spiritually into my heart. I embrace you as if you were already there, and unite myself wholly to you. Never permit me to be separated from you. Amen. the King, all glorious above, O gratefully sing His power and His love, our shield and defender, the Ancient of Days, pavilioned in splendor and girded with praise. O tell of His might, O sing of His grace, 
whose robe is the light, whose canopy space. His chariots of wrath, the deep thunder clouds form, and dark is his path on the wings of the storm. The earth with its store of wonders untold, almighty thy power that found it of old. Established it fast by a changeless decree, and round it hath cast like a mantle the sea. Thy bountiful care, what tongue can recite? It breathes in the air, it shines in the light. It streams from the hills, it descends to the plain, and sweetly distills in the dew and the rain. Frail children of dust, and feeble as frail, in thee do we trust, nor find thee to fail. Thy mercies, how tender, how firm to the end, our Maker, Defender, Redeemer, and Friend. Let us pray. O God, who bestowed on Saint Teresa Benedict of the Cross a crown among the saints for her twofold triumph of virginity and martyrdom, grant, we pray, through the power of this sacrament, that bravely overcoming every evil, we may attain the glory of heaven through Christ our Lord. Amen. The Lord be with you and with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Go in the peace of Christ. Thanks be to God. The King of love, my shepherd is, whose goodness faileth never. I nothing lack if I am his, and he is mine forever. Where streams of living water flow, my soul he leadeth. And where the verdant pastures grow with food or celestial feedeth. Perverse and foolish oft I strayed, but yet in love he sought me. And on his shoulder gently laid, And home rejoicing brought me. In death's dark veil I fear no ill, With thee, dear Lord, beside me, Thy rod and staff my comfort still, I cross before to guide me. Thou spreadst a table in my sight, Thy unction grace bestoweth, And oh, what... The Prayer to St. Michael St. Michael the Archangel 
defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke him, we humbly pray. And do thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl about the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. Prayer of Deliverance Almighty God and Father, we beg thee through the intercession and help of the archangels St. Michael, Raphael, and Gabriel for the deliverance of our brothers and sisters who are enslaved by the evil one from anxiety, sadness, and obsessions. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From hatred, fornication, and envy. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From thoughts of jealousy, rage, and death. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every thought of suicide and abortion. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every form of sinful sexuality. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every division in our family and every harmful friendship. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. From every sort of spell, malefice, witchcraft, and every form of the occult. We implore thee, deliver us, O Lord. Thou who said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, grant that through the intercession of the Virgin Mary we may be liberated from every demonic influence and enjoy thy peace always. In the name of Christ our Lord. Amen. All Catholic, all the time. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I'm Corey Smith from Sacred Heart Parish.